This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 16th, episode 2520, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses in the Morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, Our thoughts are with everybody in the panhandle. I noticed some of our listeners posting that they're hunkered down right now because Hurricane Sally, which was expected to hit at a Category 1 and hit at a Category 2, is just, it's moving. This is a hurricane moving two miles an hour, Jamie. Oh, my goodness. So it's been coming up and raining on them nonstop for 24 hours. They've already had 20 inches of rain in some places in a day, and they're expecting two to three feet before it moves out. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it's raining. Can we take that and go put it on the West Coast? I know. That'd be great. (laughs) That's all we would need. We'd put out every fire on the West Coast right there. Uh, It's just nuts. Uh, but anyway, our thoughts are with uh, everybody in there. And then it, this is going to head over to your old stomping ground, too. It's it's going to go over Georgia and hang around for a while and pour down rain. So, And we're going to talk a little bit about Georgia in the weird news segment because a couple of the actual stories came from Georgia. So I'm really pleased and proud <laughs> to have... <laughs> Georgia in the news. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad it's not Florida not for once. Anyway. I'm sure I could find something. <laughs> Dr. Loving is coming on today, going to speak to us about conditioning your horse and how to measure pro- that progress. And that's in the Horse Nutrition Podcast Health segment. It's Crappy List Wednesday, and Jamie brings us also some weird news. But I have to start today with perhaps the most exciting horse news that has come out in the entire year. Are you ready? Oh, my goodness. Now I'm ready. Ah. Well, I am very excited to announce that it's about time that the National Toy Hall of Fame announced its 12 finalists in the running for the toys this year that will be selected. Three of them will be selected to be in the Toy Hall of Fame. And I'm going to go over what they are and tell you why it affects the horse world. Okay. So, Baby Nancy, don't know what that is. Uh, What is Baby Nancy? I have no idea. Bingo is on the list. Bingo is on the list. And uh, that's being voted for by every old person in Florida who plays bingo. Uh, Jenga is on the list. Light Bright. Gosh, you remember Light Bright? They still make that? I don't know. Masters of the Universe. Risk. Played a lot of Risk in our day. Sidewalk Chalk. Now, the, I don't think of sidewalk chalk as a toy, but I guess it is. Uh, Tamagotchi. Don't know what that is. Oh, Tamagotchis were those little egg creatures because I was teaching riding lessons at Champagne Run. Hey, Mom, can you get your phone there so it's not like <laughs> ringing in the show? I was going, is your phone ringing? You never leave your phone on. Oh, it's downstairs. Okay. Don't rush down the stairs, Mama. It's okay. It'll <laughs> it'll die. It's fine. Um, Tamagotchi was those little eggs. When I was teaching uh, at Champagne Run Farm, all of the, the girls that took lessons had to like get their parents to babysit the Tamagotchis, Tamaguchis or whatever, because they are like little virtual pets that you would feed. Yeah. And they're, I mean, this is back when like, it was like, it looked like a, a digital watch, you know, like, I mean, it was <laughs> really pathetic technology, but. Oh, it's on the list for being in the Toy Hall of Fame. And then Yahtzee, which, yeah, all of us have played Yahtzee at a time or two. But the reason I'm bringing this story to you is because there's two other things that have been put on the list this year to be voted for the Toy Hall of Fame. Briar horses are one of them. So, so there you go. And also, as an adult, would never own a bunch of briar horses that are staring at me right now from (laughs) my desk. And then the other one is My Little Pony. 
But, okay, uh, <laughs> I started thinking about the My Little Pony edition. And I was like, okay, where is the National Toy Hall of Fame? Okay, it is in Rochester, New York. I now can see if the Briar, oh, no, I'm sorry, if the My Little Ponies become inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame, do you think that Rochester, New York is going to become like the mecca for bronies to descend upon before <laughs> they die bucket list to see their My Little Ponies in the Toy Hall of in Fame? The toy Hall of Fame. Well, you know, uh, or... Think we'll, of the we'll, hotels <laughs> that are going to get booked. It's going to be amazing. You know what's interesting is people... I wouldn't say you grow out of your briar horses, but you grow out of that phase where they're they're an obsession. Like all the kids that go to Briar <laughs> sure. Fest every yeah, year. Yeah, totally. That'd yeah. be so weird. But my little pony people never grow out of it, apparently. They just grow up to be bronies. I think that people find my little ponies when they're older. Whereas Dude. us Briar girls, we stay Briar girls. Yeah. So you're gonna make a trip to Rochester if it makes it uh, I don't know. Briar has a lot of competition. Uh, sidewalk chalk, for instance. Oh, man. I mean, the <laughs> stiff competition. Yahtzee. Sorry. So apparently 23 members of the National Selection Advisory Committee submit their top three choices, and that's how. They also do a player's choice where the public can vote for their top three favorites. Uh, so that's happening where do right we, now. Where do we go vote know. for Briar? I would think that the uh, national, Search National Toy Hall of Fame, there must be something on there okay. uh, that would Toy you Hall could of vote all of you would go vote for briars uh to be on the it's list because i doubt the 23 right there okay is it you're yeah. supposed to select one well you can do one vote per day i just voted for briars Yay. boom oh, oh good i'm cool thank you for not voting for my little pony i appreciate it well i think that they can wait <laughs> they can wait i agree all right let's do some daily winnies they can't wait Happy birthday to Auditor Joanna Stepka and also to one of our terrific sponsors of the Dressage Radio Show, Wendy Murdoch. I was on her live. She does a live video show, and I was on that last week, too. So happy birthday to you, Wendy. Appreciate your support also. Well, I had some drama with the horses in training yesterday, and I want to give my daily win out to the owners of Malachi because they are in a bit of a... just about Malachi on Monday. I know. He was doing so good, and he is doing so good, and I've been on him a couple times, and he's really coming along with leading and getting baths, and he's just doing so well. But I realized when I would go to turn him with the long lines that the second you would put contact with like the left rein, he would fling his head in the air and be very uh, unhappy. So I asked his owners, I said, do you do have his wolf teeth pulled? No. Okay. Well, we had the equine dentist out last year and she said that he didn't need it. And I was like, well, he's three now and he's got a bridle and he needs his wolf teeth pulled. And so wolf teeth are those little teeth right before, you know, the kind of where the bit sits. Um, and so they have, not every horse has them, but young horses, when they're getting uh, the bridle put in, need to at least be checked for him. And he's never had his teeth floated. So it's time. Uh, so I said, my veterinarian will be happy to come out and do it. And they said, well, no, we have an equine dentist. And I was fairly trepidatious about having an equine dentist come out, but they said they'd used her before and it went great. So, um, they got a fairly quick appointment and the dentist came out and, uh, I was up here doing retired racehorse radio and I dipped down there real quick. Uh, they blew a fuse in the barn. So I would go in there and I go to put the fuse back and, uh, I said, does he have wolf teeth? And she goes, yes, he does, but I can't get them. I can't pull them. So I just filed them down and I was like, wait a second, you have to pull them. You can't leave them in the gums. Uh, I, like you, I'm like, it's a really gruesome surgery. I know, but you got to get that little thing and stick it up there and basically kind of crack the teeth down out of there. It's really gross, but I had it done with Zara. I've had it done with every baby horse. They have to have them pulled. Um, yeah, well I couldn't get them. So I filed them down. They're still there. Right? But they're still there. So I call my vet and I'm like, hey, 
Um, the equine dentist that they hired, which by the way, I don't recommend, I'll just go on record. Y'all can send me your nasty emails and I'll tell you, this is exactly why the equine dentist couldn't get them out. So I call my vet, which again, don't, I don't use equine dentists. I know you do Glenn, but that's your thing. Yeah, but he's I also a vet. vet. He's a veterinarian too. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I call the vet and I'm like, Hey, there's I need a lot you of states out. where you have to, it, you have to yeah. be a vet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in Oklahoma, you have to be a veterinarian to sedate a horse unless you have purchased and you're under the guide, like w- technically working for a veterinary clinic. So this girl, this lady brings her son out. She's out there doing the teeth and all this. She files him. And I call my vet. I'm like, hey, I still need these teeth pulled. What do I do? And she was like, she she filed them down. And I was like, yeah, she told me she rasped them all the way down so they wouldn't affect. And she was like, oh God, that's really bad. And I was like, well, why is that really bad? Well, apparently when you file them down, there's nothing to grab a hold of. To yeah, pull. right. Exactly. So now there's little pieces of bone in his gum and his teeth that are in the gums. And she's like, now the only thing you can do is take him to a surgical facility, lay him down and pull them out. So if, so if they leave him there and just see what happens, what, what bad could happen or could he just go the rest of his life with them like that? Or will they she grow back? told me <laughs> that they, he will never be comfortable with the bridle ever. Because there's basically little fragments of tooth in his gums. And she said he will never be comfortable. She said we need to report her to the veterinary board. We need to, I mean, I was like, I think they should sue her for the the job she did. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible thing. I mean, you think pulling wolf teeth is like the fundamental reason that you would be an equine dentist. It's like the most basic part of it. Mind you, the horse was barely sedated, fighting the speculum when I was down there. And guess what? He couldn't eat for the next day and a half. So it happened Monday night. This morning, he seemed to be comfortable enough to eat. I mean, he is a mess. So I'm like, I can't put a bridle in his mouth again with these teeth. I, I can't willingly cause pain in a horse just to get him trained. (laughs) You can't train through pain people. That is the main number one thing you cannot train through pain. So they are going to have to uh, figure out a way to get him to the hospital and have these teeth removed. And I'm just so sad for them that they're having to go through this. And I'm so angry at this dentist. Now becomes a $5,000 job. Oh no. Equine dentist did it for a hundred bucks. I mean, no, but I meant deal. if they had the vet, if yeah. they had the vet out, it would have been four hundred, and yeah. then now it, it's going to be like four thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, and again, I think they should go after that dentist for it because there's no way. Anyway, this is the drama that is surrounding my farm right now, and I'm just so devastated for everybody involved, including me, and including the horse that now has to go I've through never heard this. Of that. I bet you apparently your vet had never heard of that either. Filing so, down the yeah, teeth? No, yeah. I, I'd never heard of it either. And I was like, but, but, the, and again, I only had like three minutes because I was recording at the time, Retired Racehorse Radio, and Joy was doing the interview. And I was like, I got to run down. I go, they blew the fuse. So I had to run down and get the fuse back on. Um, And Abby was down there with him. But I, I, I feel like a equine professional should know better than that. I don't. I'm just so incredible. Are they licensed in Oklahoma or is it just anybody can do it? Um, yeah, I think what, what my vet said, the problem with suing them is that they don't have to have malpractice insurance because they're lay people. I think you can literally go to like a three month course and learn how to. And that's why a lot of states have gone to the veterinary route. Well, that is, it was like that in Arizona and Oklahoma has not caught up. And that is another reason why my vet wanted me to report her to the veterinary board because they're trying really hard to get this illegal because people like this can just come out and sedate your horse, shoot them full of drugs, whether or not it's the right amount or not. I mean, I don't think he was sedated enough, which means they fight the speculum, which affects their temporal mandibular joint, their TMJ. I mean, it's a, it's a mess. It's a mess. And now she thought instead of pulling, I go, don't you have that little carvey thing that you stick up there and pull it? She's like, mm, I can't get them. 
Like, but he's three. Like he, ha- she's like, maybe next year. Like, no, you have to pull them. Now he's wearing a bridle. <laughs> and again, I'm like, I have literally 35 more seconds to talk to you. I have to go. And she's like, do you want to look at him? And she puts a flashlight up in the horse's mouth. And I'm like, and, and the horse is fighting and awake and just showing the flashlight and pointing at the back of the throat. And I'm like, that's not where the wolf teeth are. The wolf teeth are over on the side. She's like, well, I filed him down. Anyway, deep breath. So that was my fun Monday and dealing with that on Tuesday. And so I'll keep you guys posted as to what happens because uh, the drama will continue to unfold. And um, yay. And if you're an I'm really dentist, sorry for the send ownership. your email to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. You know what? You can send them to me because I have questions. <laughs> uh, coming up, uh, Eco Gold, who is the sponsor of Heels Down Happy Hour, one of the popular shows here in the Horse Radio Network, is doing a dressage symposium I wanted to tell you about real quick. It's on Saturday, September 26th. It's virtual. From 9 a.m. to 12 uh, noon, and that's Eastern Time. Uh, They have three Olympic riders coming on to talk about dressage stuff. So if you're really into dressage, you're going to want to attend this. They have Jacqueline Brooks, who's doing a uh, talk on understanding biomechanics, the principles of effective riding. And she, of course, is a Olympic rider. They also have uh, Shannon Duick, who is doing what in the front of the leg really mean, or what in front of the leg really means, and how to achieve it. They need some punctuation in that. Uh, and she's going to be talking about that. And then they also have uh, Jordan uh, Gunderson unlocking the secrets of rideability through the levels. So all of that is happening again. That's September the 26th. I'll post a link to it on our Horses in the Morning Facebook page and also in our show notes for today's show uh, where you can go and sign up. Now, it is $195, but... You also, what they're doing is they're giving you an Eco Gold, Eco Gold saddle pad for free if you sign up for the seminar. Wait, wait, wait. My Eco Gold saddle pad was $195. That's exactly right. So basically, you're getting a free seminar with your Eco Gold saddle pad. Is, it's is, like it's free, so, Glenn. <laughs> this it's really free. is like it's free. Exactly. So uh, if you would love to sit in on the seminar, they're going to be also answering questions and, and doing things with uh, with the people involved. This isn't going to be a large class. So uh, I think she's really hoping for 50, but you also get the Eco Gold saddle pad to go with it. So that's coming up. I'll post links to that. Or you can just go to ecogold.ca. That's the website for Eco Gold. Can I just tell you that I'm currently like limping around my house because I became an old person yesterday. Um, I had kickboxing and I just was sitting on my foot. I'm like, oh God, that hurts. I didn't want you to think why. Um, I was, you, you start out jumping rope. Like you just, you know, just jump rope for a couple minutes just to warm up. And uh, some thing happened when I first started jumping rope. And again, you just jump like an inch and a half off the ground, you know, and I don't know, something in my ankle like popped and I can barely walk. Isn't there a rule horse people don't jump? Isn't that a rule? I really think that that's probably a good idea. <laughs> or if you're over 40, don't yeah. jump. Anyway, I'm like, I was just sitting on my foot. I was like, oh, I didn't want you to hear me groan and wonder what was going on. Carry on. Well, Sorry. crappy list Wednesday. I found this. Actually, I switched gears here. I was going to do a different list, but uh, this isn't such a crappy list. It's actually a good list. But I wanted to talk to you about it because you've dealt with a lot of people buying horses right now and looking for Never horses and, and all of that. And you've been helping people look for horses. And this was posted. Hosted by Team CEO Eventing out of Lexington, Kentucky. And they've been on our show before, actually. Um, and they posted this because they they really help hundreds of horses find horses, or a hundred people find horses. They, uh, they sell horses. They help people find horses. They do both ends of that spectrum. And this is what they posted. And it's a list on looking for a horse. And this is what they had to say. And I want to see if you dis- agree or disagree with your recent experiences. And they titled it How to Find Your Unicorn. So one of the first things they said is parameters. Sticking to your parameters is only hurting your search. So if you say, I really want, uh, you know, I really want the gray gelding that's between 16, 2, and 17 hands and is 5 to 7 years old and is, uh, you know, is completely sound and uh, that's all I'll accept and it's got to be trained to the Grand Prix level, and that's it. Uh, and they they did a 
correlation here. They said that's like looking for a date, and the guy you're looking for a guy that's over six feet tall. He has blue eyes. He has brown hair, and then your soulmate shows up, and he's only five eleven, and you say, "No, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go out with them." So on the same, on the flip side of that, now granted, if people come to me and they are looking for a horse, I do help people buy horses. If they come to me with a color, I'm like, "No, we don't shop for color." That is not a thing that we do because then you'll compromise on other. Well, there's things an old saying: God colors. never made a good horse in a bad color, right? I mean, that's yeah, the old saying, right? Exactly. Yeah. And but I do understand having parameters like age and height and all that. But yeah, what they are saying is like if a horse is you're looking for one sixteen hands and there's one fifteen three, then you've ruled out your search. You know, so like buffer your search on both ends to look for something a little younger, a little older, and yeah, you're gonna. You're going to make your search harder, but again, do not shop for color. But I mean, you know what? There's some people that like, that's their thing. Like I worked for in Arizona. Her name is Jen. Bless her heart. I love her to death. She came to me and she's like, I would like to buy a horse. And she is a designer. And but yeah, her she, whole life is color. <laughs> uh, it's all color and like design. And, and she was like, I want a gray mare that is 16 one. And I would like it to that. I was like, stop. <laughs> I was like, you're not. No, uh, no. Uh, currently she has a bay horse with not a lick of white on it. Funny how that works. Yeah. Number two on this list was asking the wrong questions. When people call about horses, I tell them what kind of rider he needs and what the horse wants to do for a living. And this is what you do. Yet people still try and take horses and make them into something they're not, right? I mean, it's still a big problem with people buying horses. And usually, if some, if they've worked with somebody like CEO Eventing or you, you kind of got to feel where this horse is going to go and what's it going to be good at and what it's not going to be good at. I mean, people have come out to try horses and they, I'm like, I, yeah, this is not going to work very quickly. Or they call and they say they're looking for a horse that get, is going to do this. And I'm uh, the horse that I have for sale. It, it, you know, I know the horse, I know what job it's going to do. You know, what also sucks is that people kind of criminalize people selling horses. Yeah. Not everybody selling a horse is doing it because they want to get rid of the horse. Yeah. Not everybody's like, a dealer, uh, a bad dealer. Let's I like selling horses because I like training horses. I like educating them and finding them a, their, their career path. I can't keep everyone and show everyone and do all the things. I actually prefer to train them. And there are people like that. So look for good people when you are buying for horses. This is an interesting one, and I like, like what she says here, uh, wrong priorities. I always teach my students this lesson. My keeper horse is a four-year-old, was the worst mover in the barn. Choppy trot, canter like a tractor, uh, pads on his feet, and some seriously unimpressive knees. I pulled him out of the stall for you at a sales appointment at four years old. You would have told me to put him away. He then won three events as a five-year-old, and he went on to be her best horse. Uh, so she says, unless you're trying to literally win the Olympics, you don't need the best mover in the barn. And I love this next sentence. This next sentence makes me so happy. Find the horse that makes you smile, that you want to ride every day, the one that you can train. Yeah, the one it's 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 very, that's very true. Uh, especially most people, you know, the first priority should be something safe. Something that is not going to hurt you. Because if it hurts you, then And then you're not going to want to ride it every day, right? I mean, yeah, that's exactly. what it, yeah, it comes back to that, right? It it does. Um now that doesn't mean you're going to, you know, that there's not a horse out there that like you're working with the horses that aren't perfect when they come and you're helping them get beyond their, their issues. Well, they're trainable. But, yeah. Horses can be trained. That's the great thing about it. Um, I, I looked at a horse for somebody, a client and the girl had posted on social media, her like whole entire journey of two years with this horse. And he was a monster at the beginning. And by the time I took this client out to see him, he was great. And I'm, and, and she was like, well, I know we're Facebook friends and you saw, and I was like, girl, you trained it. Like you got through all that. Somebody had to get through it and she got through it all. And the horse was, was awesome for this kid. There you go. Right, so I love that sentence. I think that sentence should be, uh, put in front of everybody shopping for a horse. I'll say it again. Find the horse that makes you smile that you want to ride every day. The one you can train. I, I like that one. 
Man, this is you're going to really, really relate to this one. Maintenance. Uh, the number of people who put in search ads, absolutely no maintenance. Or ask me if he has to wear shoes. <laughs> so hmm. you're telling me if I can find the perfect unicorn that will make you happy for the rest of his life and that it will never need anything, that's the one you want. Uh, yeah. Um, I, every horse needs maintenance <laughs> of some kind at some point. It's yeah. just going to happen. I mean, maintenance uh, is including teeth floating, wolf teeth pulling, vaccines, if needed. shoes, <laughs> foot trimming, yeah. uh, all the things. And that's just the basics. So um, I really – did you see the video? So uh, what, what you're talking about, you're referring to for people that didn't hear it, is I sold Drax. And Drax just came back to me because they said, when you ask him to go any faster than a walk, he pins his ears and gets really angry. And I'm like, that is not this horse at all. And they bring him back and I get him out of the trailer and his feet are nubs. His front feet are gone. Like they're tiny. And I'm like, what happened to his shoes? Oh, well, we decided we wanted him to be barefoot. So um, we've been filing down his feet every two weeks to try to get rid of those nail holes. What? <laughs> He's a 16-3 hand thoroughbred that has tiny feet anyway. And then you pull the shoes. And I had already told them, you know, five out of the seven horses I own are barefoot. Uh, just the ones that need shoes, get shoes. So he needed shoes. So we put shoes on him and I told him he needs shoes and, uh, they, they brought him back and I ended up buying him back. Well, Abby rode, he got shoes, some miracle. My farrier was able to tack some shoes on him. And, um, lo and behold, Abby did rode him yesterday and he was like magic. It was like magic. He's like, Oh, it was forward and big and nice and collected and just feeling good. So yeah. Um, your horse is, you know, Look at the horse that you have or that you want. Look at the horse and decide what they need. And if you need that, do that. If you don't need that, don't do that. You know what? This horse scares me a little bit. I can fix it at home. Somebody told me that one time. I was like, they were riding the horse and, and I, I trot and, and the horse starts trotting and they were like, oh, about to fall off. And I was like, okay, I think this is a little too much. No, no, no. We have a trainer. The husband was actually on the ground. He's like, we have a trainer. Okay. Well, but it doesn't really matter because like she can't ride the horse right now. Like this is not, no, 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 it'll be fine. We would really like to have him. We'll we have spend a trainer. tens of thousands of dollars on the trainer. And I was like, but no, because this horse is not like, this is going to go down the wrong path. By the way, that was somebody that was interested in Drax and they messaged me yesterday. We've been taking lessons. We're much better now. Is he still for sale? I didn't write back. <laughs> Uh, the other thing they talk about is vetting the horses. And, uh, you know, this is a misconception, too. Uh, uh, they've been talking a lot about this on the sales and breeding episode here every month on Horses in the Morning, because they have a vet on every month talking about the vetting process. And what he said is, every time we vet a horse, our job is to find something wrong. We will find something wrong with the horse because no horse is perfect. We're going to find something wrong. It's your job to decide, is that something wrong going to affect what I want to do with this horse? So don't be surprised. There's no perfect vet vetting out there. Every horse, especially when you're talking about OTTBs, they're going to have an issue of some sort. It's whether you can live with that issue for what you want the horse to do or what the horse is capable of doing. So I think that a lot of people go in thinking that the vet, you know, when they get it vetted, it has to be perfect. It's do never going to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> do I love riding this horse enough to manage whatever the issue yes. that it has is? Yeah. You know what? I wouldn't pass a vet. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, and I certainly wouldn't. Oh. My God. <laughs> Neither one of us are going to pass a vet, that's for sure. No, but I'm pretty darn friendly and safe. And so. people tolerate us every morning, so look at that. I know, it's weird. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Stateline Tech, and then we're going to get to our horse health report. Uh, I was over on Stateline this morning, and one of the things I saw over there is, believe it or not, do you know what date it is? It's September the 16th. Do you know what that means? Another two months, it's going to be freaking cold in a lot of places. So right now, over on Stateline, they have uh, brought in uh, the winter blankets and turnouts. Oh, no. Yes, they're here. So And they have some of them on sale already. So you can go over there. You can find a bunch of tough one stuff. You can find Weatherbeta. You can find Rambo. 
all the different rhino, uh, all the different types of blankets there right now. If you want to get an early start, if you're looking at your blankets from last year and they didn't survive, then head on over right now. They have one, two, eight pages of blankets on here. Oh, Miles, the Andalusian needs a blanket. Oh, more shopping. Yeah, there you go. And colors seem to be in this year. There's a lot of colors. Now, Usually, I get a preview of all the blankets because we go to the trade shows, but there were no trade shows this year, so I didn't get to see all the pretty colors and everything. Pessoa has some great colors out, uh, and we're talking everything from lightweight uh, sheets all the way up to heavyweight blankets that you get when you live in Alaska. Uh, But you will find them all right now at Stateline Tech, and you're going to get an early look at, at the complete season of blankets that's coming up. They have all different sizes, too, from little tiny ponies and minis all the way up to draft horses but it's that time to start thinking about that head on over to statelinetech.com right now their big banner on the homepage, uh where you'll find all different price points as well but they seem to have them all on sale for around 20 to 35 percent off statelinetech.com of course i like the best ones this weather be the comfort tech with the neck already on them oh so nice yes you get pretty cold there now so blankets are a little different story than when you lived in arizona and the, it, what happens is it's cold and rainy so if you have a regular blanket then you know that their necks get wet and the water just runs down their yep. chest so i've started buying those comfort tech with the necks are like the the, the necks can't even be removed. They're not even detaching. The Comfortex just... work too. Some of the ones that have the necks, the water still goes down the neck. The, you know? Yeah, these they're, they're all one thing. I love these. And here's the problem is that I believe it was horse lovers that had them on sale a couple years ago, and they only had one color. So I bought every one of my horses a blanket. All in different sizes of the same color. Ah, and now, sucks. son of a... <laughs> I'm like, which one? Who, who's you is this one? You need to spray paint on the side. <laughs> one of our listeners actually sent me little name tags. But they've come off by now. <laughs> That's not enough. You need ago. big spray paint on the I side. I know. It's a great idea. <laughs> Just spray paint the number 82, 86. <laughs> yeah. I took a Sharpie and I like wrote on it, but I'm pretty sure it's gone by now. <laughs> <laughs> you need some graffiti on those blankets. I'm like... Somebody is pink. Somebody is purple. Somebody needs like unicorn (laughs) patterns. I don't know. All the things. Today's Horse Health Report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics you will love, and it highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given. It's part of the Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to purinamills.com slash full rain to see them all. The latest episode is all about uh, vaulting horses, so you'll find that on there, and you can find it also on any podcast player. Now, Jennifer had a chance to catch up with Dr. Dr. Loving, who's been on our show before. She's out of Colorado. And they talked about, ironically, one of the things that you do have to worry about when you're showing your horses or out doing anything with them, and that's conditioning. So they got into depth talking about conditioning, and we're going to take a listen to that. And we got more coming on after that. Uh, we got some weird news. We also have a special guest, Charlotte, our para rider extraordinaire, Charlotte, our friend who got a new pony just did another show over the weekend. So I thought what we'd do today with all the bad news going on is have Charlotte on to lighten our day up because she's just having the best time with this new horse. That's coming up as well. Here we go. And I'm so happy to welcome back to the show, Dr. Nancy Loving from the Loving Equine Clinic in Boulder, Colorado. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you all doing? And we're all doing great here. As fall approaches... Many parts of the country are gearing up for the fall finals. Some parts of the country and some disciplines are gearing up for the beginning of their seasons. Um, Like, for example, here in Florida, the the season really starts in the fall. So we start to think about the condition of our horse. And maybe we've been riding them regularly for the past four months, but what kind of condition they are. And and I think today I want to ask you about what is condition and conditioning, because I think it's a confusing term. Okay. Well, first of all, if you're talking about condition, that often refers to body condition, and that's pretty much the body weight of the horse. And there is a scale, the Henneke scale, that measures from one to nine, nine being profoundly obese and one being just air, just left with ribs. So that's completely different. Conditioning is all about developing your horse's fitness and musculoskeletal strength 
And um, that that is a program that takes strategy and it takes time and time in terms of years in some cases, depending on the sport you're pursuing. So what systems does conditioning address that um, schooling over fences or practicing shoulder ins or um, teaching your horse a barrel pattern doesn't? What, what are we talking about? Is it, their, is it just their musculoskeletal system or are, are there other things involved too? Oh, there's, there's everything. It's an entire integrated system um, of all organ systems in the body to be able to develop conditioning. And I think the, the examples you gave, um, scrolling over jumps or whatever, uh, those are training exercises. And what that does is, is it develops the horse's, um, it, it develops their neurologic system and their musculoskeletal system to do those tasks but it also is more about their skill level, particularly with the rider on their back. Oh. In contrast, conditioning is all about the actual physiological changes that take place by developing fitness. It's no different for people, really, when you think about um, getting in shape. And you're not going to go, you know, here in Colorado, you're not going to go climb a 14,000-foot peak um, in the mountains if you don't have some kind of muscle strength in horses, what you're doing is developing each system, and they all take different amount of time. For instance, the cardiovascular system may be developed to a pretty good place in three to four months in contrast to something like the ligaments and tendons, which take six to 12 months, and bone t- can take as much as two years to develop the peak fitness. So Interesting. So people have to be committed and... Uh, you have to really start out with building a strong foundation. I mean, it sounds very obvious, but it, it's sometimes people miss these steps, and then the horse develops injuries. Yes, and they're they're all too common, unfortunately. So you you talk about a, a plan is important. Uh, does every discipline have a different plan, or do all disciplines start out at the basic level with the same plan, and then they branch off after that? Yeah, I mean, the first step is to develop uh, you know, what people have historically t- referred to as legging up. So you want the horse to be able to develop their uh, leg strength and all their elasticity in their tendons and ligaments that aren't very elastic in the first place. But you want all those tissues to be able to take the punishment of moving over ground. And so we start with a program called long-slow distance conditioning, and that basically is just what it says. It's as the horse gets more and more fit, you go longer periods of time under under saddle, and there's not a lot of speed involved. Um, you're trying to get the heart rate up to a certain point, which with aerobic conditioning for non-sprint sports would be trying to get the heart rate up between 130 and 150 beats per minute, and that starts to develop the cardiovascular system. So not only does that help fuel the muscles with blood and oxygen. It also helps develop the skin system so that it can sweat properly and relieve the heat that incur- is incurred with musculoskeletal activity. Really? I never thought about that. Interesting. Yeah. You say that you can actually condition the body to sweat efficiently and effectively. Yes, absolutely. You, what happens is you open up more capillary beds. You may, not only are there more in number, but they're more in size. Um, the enzyme systems in the body that, that optimize the use of fuel, which in this case is food, um, learn how to use that fuel in the presence of oxygen, and that gives the horse stamina. For sprint sports, they need to be taught how to use their fuel in the presence of no oxygen, which is called anaerobic uh, metabolism. And there are a lot of byproducts that come with the anaerobic metabolism. So it's good for the horse's system to learn how to get rid of those metabolites as quickly as possible. Things like lactic acid, for example, that drives fatigue. So each sport is different, but the starting point is to develop a strong base. And I mean, literally a base and strong legs, a good heart output. Um, in addition to all the training exercises that a person does to develop their skill set. So, is there any is there any predictor as to how long it takes to get a horse I'm going to use my air quotes conditioned is or is it completely dependent upon the individual horse and his discipline or are there parameters or generalizations you can make 
There are generalizations, but you have to look at several factors. One is um, the breed of the horse and what your sport's going to be that you're going to pursue. You need to look at the uh, weather conditions of where you live. For instance, Florida's hot and humid. Colorado's, you know, can be hot and dry. And the horse has to develop different kind of uh, ability to dissipate, excuse me, to dissipate heat. Um, you have to look at the rider weight compared and tack and equipment compared to the size of the horse, the terrain they move over. So there are many different factors. You can make some generalizations, though, that you should plan if you do a regular uh, long, slow distance starting point, that that's going to take three to six months to develop that horse. It also has to take into account the horse's age and also if they've done any other kind of athletics before you put them into this other pursuit that you're going to look out for um, excelling in. Uh, so there are individualized programs that you're going to have to tackle. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to pull my horse out of the barn. hasn't done anything. He's, uh, you know, 500 pounds overweight. You know, I'm making up a number, but the horse is overweight, and that horse is going to take longer to develop uh, the condition than a horse that's already been doing some athletics and is in good body condition. So... If you've got a horse that is in regular but light exercise, you ride two or three times a week and you ride around the arena and you jump some jumps here and there and you go for trail rides on weekends sometimes, but your horse is not in a conditioning program. Um, At what is, is it a good idea if you're going to get serious about a conditioning program to have your regular veterinarian come out and get sort of a starting point so that if things go awry three months later that you can compare here between what's going on now and what was going on then? Yeah, that's an excellent point, Jennifer, because I, I really recommend to everybody, especially during your, in most parts of the temperate part of the United States, you're going to have your vet out for spring shots. And that's a good time to have that person evaluate the horse's soundness so that you have a starting point. Because otherwise, if something develops, say, you know, instead of if you hadn't looked at the horse in March or April when you're doing spring shots, and now we're into June or July and there's something not right, it's going to be very difficult to determine whether that was something that was simmering along back in the spring or had it been there longer. So if you can have your vet put eyeballs on that horse twice a year, it will really save you a lot of aggravation and frustration to be able to track down a musculoskeletal problem. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And one final question. When you've got a fitness program, you've got your horse, I'm going to use my air quotes again, he's fit competition season is getting the horse fit a straight line does he get fitter and fitter and fitter and fitter and fitter and fitter and fitter or is he get fit and then you have to give him time off and then you have to get him fit throughout the season when it comes to conditioning well no i mean here's the thing horses like people need time off and they don't they don't decondition as quickly as we do if of course they don't I hate that. Yeah, no. <laughs> if we're sick and we or we just sit on our couch for three weeks, we're going to decondition. But a horse can take, you know, four to six weeks at least to decondition. So if that horse needs a little bit of a rest for a strain or a sprain or a little bit of something going on, then you can pretty much bring them back to work in full speed within two or three weeks. You know, you go back to a little bit slower and shorter program. But... um it's better not to run your horse into the ground, and I think people think that it, more is better, but once you get a horse to a peak level for athletic competition, you just want to keep them tuned up. You don't want to I'll take endurance horses, for example. Once a horse is really fit to do 50- or 100-mile rides, you don't have to keep running them into the ground on 30-mile rides, training rides. You need to just keep them at a point. Otherwise, their musculoskeletal system is going to suffer injury. And that can be said for any sport, whether it's um, barrel racing or reining or roping. You know, these horses are just putting a tremendous load on their hocks, and you have to save those structures, so you don't want to overdo it. So it's better to try to do versatile training so that you get out there, like endurance horses should do cavaletti work. They should do arena work. They, you know, they don't have to just get out there and just hammer through the miles, trotting, 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 canter. So mix it up. Make them a generalist. Give them other opportunities to use their brain and develop new skill sets. A dressage horse should get out on the trail, for instance. So these are all good things. It helps with their mental abilities, too. So make sure when you're creating your conditioning plan, you take into, take into account 
skills that he needs to know, for example, the barrel pattern or how to do a five mm-hmm. stride line, and also their mental health in addition to their physical soundness. Can you imagine just going around and around and around in an arena forever? (laughs) So they go from the stall to the arena for an hour, and then they go back to the stall, or maybe they have a little paddock, and the lucky ones get turned out to pasture. So it's great to do cross-training. These horses do so much better. They can look out on the big big expanse of the world if they go out on a trail or they do some cavaletti work. I mean, this is this makes a great dressage horse. It builds their core, it builds their haunches, and, and their mental state is much more amenable to training. Perfect. And one final question. What is interval training? Because that's something you hear about a lot when people talk about conditioning their horses. Right. Interval training is going to be, you're going to start out with like a long, slow distance program and then some strength training, which incorporates hills or some kind of resistance activity that, the horse has to push against. And then interval training is where you put some speed into it. And certainly a sprint horse is going to need that, but an endurance horse needs it too because if you do 50 or 100 miles of trail, you're going to have fatigue set in. And if the interval training teaches the tissues to deal with lactic acid and all those anaerobic metabolites we just discussed. If you want more complete information on this, I have written a, uh, an entire book on on conditioning called Go the Distance. And even though it's a complete resource for endurance horses or endurance sports, it still has much applic- applicability to all other equestrian sports. Well, yeah, having having done itsy-bitsy, limited-distance, baby-sized endurance rides, and having also been a fox hunter and an eventer and done some show hunters, I can totally see how conditioning for those initial lower levels of endurance is really the same as conditioning a horse that's going to be doing fox hunting or a horse that's going to be doing lower level eventing. That base is very, very similar amongst the lot. So the name, the title of the book again is? Go the Distance. And that's by Nancy Nancy Loving. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Nancy Loving, for stopping by and helping us out with what conditioning is today. You bet. My pleasure. Well, thank you to Jennifer for putting that together. And, of course, this health segment was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast and the Horse Radio Network, now in their third season. Each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition uh, they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year, including training Hollywood movie horses, therapy horses helping veterans, and an inside look at Charles Horsemanship. It's all part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see all the films in interviews, and podcasts. Also wanted to mention, before we get to weird news, get that weird news ready there, Jamie. Uh, Before we get to weird news, uh, our friend Neil, who's also our editor for many, many years on the show, has started a new online store called Toma Gear. It provides men with affordable luxury watches, sunglasses, bracelets, and more. Toma's collection is carefully curated, and many of the products are unisex, so you can buy them too if if you're needing one for yourself. But if you have a birthday coming up or you want to get your your hubby something really nice for Christmas, then Toma Gear is the place to look. Uh, They have brands like Diesel, Gas, Citizen, and Casio. I got a couple of them already because I like watches. And uh, they were like $49 and they're really nice watches. So they have outdoor ones and more rugged ones. Uh, Whatever you need, they have it there. They have a discount right now for our listeners. HRN15 gets you 15% off the entire store. Go to shop Toma.com. That's shoptoma.com. Are you there, Jamie? That was your cue for jumping in on weird news. And I don't have Jamie. I'm right here. Oh, you're back. All right. Sorry about that. Oh, my God. That. You muted me. I've been trying to talk the whole time. That Toma gear, I looked at the website, and I'm pretty sure that stuff is hot. He well, I hope over not. Trap. I own a couple now. <laughs> I'm like, why is that so affordable? It's strange. I know. Sorry about that. I had you muted and didn't even realize it. All right. Well, the first weird news, I start over. Give me my music. Okay. 
I would like to thank Nicole for sending me this, although I'm not sure I would like to thank her because it's so disturbing. Weird news. We're going to head to Tennessee first, Glenn. We're going to go to La Follette, Tennessee. A La Follette woman. I'm just going to read the first sentence and you can do what you want with it. Okay. Oh, wait, no, I can read a little more. <laughs> a La Follette woman has been charged with public intoxication after police said she was found chewing on a miniature horse's mane while topless near Summers Road last week. <laughs> a lot so going on that, there. There's a lot going on see, there. <laughs> all that in from that one sentence. Um, That's all I needed. I have the full visual in my mind. She's messed up. She's topless. She's chewing on a miniature horse's mane, who must have been really tolerant. She told deputies that this horse's hair is made of Laffy Taffy and Airhead candies. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my uh, guess apparently. is my visual of what this woman looks like is not what this woman looks like. Um, people admitted to deputies. You, are you sitting down? Okay. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm going to drop the bomb. She admitted to deputies that she had taken methamphetamines. No, really? <laughs> The homeowner also reported to deputies that she had been eating grass and dirt from a fenced-in area oh. where there are horses. Oh, great. Yeah. Why she was too. topless and made her way to the farm. Fiber. I do not know, but um, <laughs> I can't now, thank you enough for sending me that. I will say that we've all eaten a lot of horse hair, but it's not been intentionally. It doesn't taste like like candy. <laughs> no, it does not. It does not taste like Laffy Taffy. And, and I'm guessing that the grass where they go to the bathroom is not going to taste like candy either. Uh, <laughs> hey, if anything, here's your lesson. Don't yeah. do meth. <laughs> yeah, that's a good lesson. Oh, you played the music? Yeah, yeah. Play it again. Okay. Come on. Now, this time we're going to head to Georgia. And all of this is on video. So you can actually, just so you know, I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> this is in Georgia in Douglas County, which is just west of Atlanta, very close to Atlanta. Uh, the Douglas County Sheriff's Office said an unnamed deputy was serving civil papers at a home during the encounter. Now, typically, she will leave her car door open as she sometimes has to, like, quickly retreat from vicious I dogs in the story. past, you know, so she has like jump in the car. So, um, never, she did not expect to go back into her car to leave and find a goat in the front seat of her vehicle with a mouthful of her papers. So basically while she had left her car door open to serve the papers, a goat jumped in and ate all of her paperwork from the day's activities, I guess. <laughs> um, then it jumped out, head butted her on the knees and knocked her down and took off with her papers. I saw this video. There were papers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. Just so you know, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> That's a day she'll never forget. Oh, she got razzed. You know, when she got back to the station, oh my God. The uh, kind they of did say that them. at the end, you know, even though she was knocked to the ground, she was not physically harmed in the incident. And at the end of the day, we all got a little laugh out I of it. I bet they did. I bet you did. <laughs> she has nicknames she now we can't even say on the show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's head up to uh, Maryland River in Annapolis. You know they call her Butthead, right? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> butthead it is. Um, police in Maryland, okay, we're getting phone calls. This is super creepy. There was reports of a casket bobbing up and down in the river as, as people were driving their boats by. Okay, and this is the Maryland River, okay? And people are calling freaking out because there is a casket floating down the river, bobbing up and down. And um, so, it, I mean, the, the, it even went out on the a local radio station. It was like, there's a casket in the South River. It's a tributary of the Chesapeake Bay near Annapolis. And so they sent all their resources. The Department of Natural Resources police were dispatched to the river where they did a hydrographic operation team to go out and get the casket out of the water. And looking at the video of this, it looks like a casket that's been buried for quite some time. Mm. So they pull it to the edge of the river 
And what did they discover? I don't know. Would you have wanted to open that door? No! <laughs> but it wasn't a casket. It was that somebody's dock had fallen in the water and was covered in mold. Oh. <laughs> it literally looks like a casket. It is. Look at that, Chad. It looks like a casket. It is a like an old, like, stair-steppy, like, metal like concrete thing why it was floating i don't know but it legit looks like a casket floating in the river in the, the whole city i know we have listeners up in that area so um y'all let me know if you'd heard about this and what you what you thought about it it's a, a concrete slab they said resembling a coffin sparked complaints of a possible hazard Ugh. in the water i don't know maybe a hazard like a carcass <laughs> Just a and you do the, the place you hear about that is New Orleans, Louisiana, where they bury everybody above ground, exactly. and then it floods. <laughs> That's and where you hear about it. Just be a reminder to everybody: save your family and some money and some trouble, and just get cremated and spread somewhere pretty. Because <laughs> you don't want to be the body that they find in the Maryland River, floating up and down, and have the whole city freak out. <laughs> Nobody wants to be that. Guy. And we're having three feet of rain in that area where those caskets are right now. So there exactly. you go. Yeah. One more. One more. Oh, for one more. You. Oh, okay. Good. You got some fun ones today. <laughs> All I can I, picture, though, is that topless lady chewing on a mane. That's <laughs> you can't make that up. Um, I would like to now head up to Patterson, New Jersey. That's right. We have a lot of New Jersey listeners as well. And a woman spotted as she was, I think, just driving slowly down the neighborhood. Uh, she spotted an emu. <laughs> There was an emu running down the road in a New Jersey, northern city, Patterson, New Jersey. A woman spotted the long-legged bird, called animal control. Animal control comes out. This is a four-foot-tall emu, and they are not certain whether, and I love the line in this, officials were not sure whether the bird had escaped from a farm or was just running out in the wild. How many emus in the wild are there in New Jersey where they're like, you know what? It could have been just in the wild. I have really never seen an emu in the wild, to be honest. Uh, Chief Animal Control Officer John DeCando told the NewJersey.com the emu appeared healthy. He could not determine its age or sex, but, quote, I can tell you it needs a bath. (laughs) (laughs) They had to, like, cram it into, like, a dog crate. I don't know. It was like, and again, there's video and photos of this emu stuffed into a dog crate. (laughs) I I can tell you, we have a big emu farm here. It's actually right across the street from the New World Equestrian Center here in Ocala. Oh, that should be fun. And uh, there must be a hundred of them out there. And I have to be honest, they all look like they need a pants. (laughs) You know, you and I, we're animal people. I wouldn't be able to tell the sex of an emu either. Uh, I went to the yeah. ostrich farm in Salt and Buellton. It's right. It's really close to Monty's place. And I took Lucas. And um, let me remind you, just as a public service, never go to an emu farm or an ostrich farm to feed the animals after they get three inches of rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it was so gross. Lucas and everyone, he was like, do I have to get, give them the rest? I, mean, I was like, is, just throw it over the fence and run. <laughs> there is nothing that smells worse than, than uh, birds. It's, oh, you know, chicken God. farms are awful. I mean, it's they like smell awful. Inches of yeah. mud uh. and ostrich <laughs> poop, and there's emus out there. It was just, it was gross. And I'm, like you said, I'm an animal person. Here, uh, let's cleanse go. everybody here. There. Now we're cleansed of that thought. <laughs> I'm just glad they didn't find the late topless lady chewing on an emu. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. That does not taste like uh, Laffy Taffy. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we want to end today on a positive note. And we're bringing back, we kind of follow her progress here. She's been coming on the shows for years and years and years. She's a good friend of ours, lives here in Ocala. And she's one of the top para riders in the United States. And she spent two years finding a horse. And she found one. And apparently it's working out quite well because she was at another show over the weekend. And we're going to find out how that went. We're going to call Charlotte up here. Charlotte Merrill-Smith. Also an auditor and alumni of two Horse Lovers Cruises. And she's delightful. Let's just be honest. She works at a kennel, so you might hear dogs. uh, Because she's at work today. If she answers. Because the dogs might be so loud she doesn't even hear the phone ringing. No, I can get my mom's phone ringing if you want. (laughs) Put that on the show. Yeah, we already had that once today. (laughs) Come on, Charlotte. You're supposed to be on the show. Bless her heart. She got so frantic. I'm like, don't hurt yourself. Charlotte, are you there? Hi, this is Charlotte. Oh, um, we got our answer machine. I'll call you back. 
All right. Well, we'll we'll give her a try here in another minute. We'll try. Okay, if you want, I can do Charlotte. <laughs> yes. How was your show this weekend, Charlotte? Oh my God, I love Gigi. She is the best, and I'm gonna do her a little more animated because typically she's not very animated. She gets a little bit nervous being on the show. Um, so I'll be. I'll I'll do Charlotte. Charlotte. Glenn, um, Gigi came out and was in the show and got a 72.2 in the grade three individual test. And here's what I actually hear in my brain. Oh, my God. I love my pony. She's so <laughs> wonderful. She's so pretty. Uh, her name is Gigi. We got a 72.2. And I've been doing horse shows. And I'm absolutely in love with, like, my pony. And, like, everything is so perfect. And I'm glad that I waited three years to find the exact perfect horse. Uh, even though shopping was hard and going through all of it, I am so glad that I waited and found my perfect unicorn. And she's gray. Oh, I was just going to say. Good morning. Good morning, Charlotte. How are you? <laughs> I'm well, thanks. How you guys doing? Good. Uh, Jamie just described your whole weekend. Uh, we, we, we couldn't get you the first time, so she played you, and it sounded like you had a great time. Oh, that's so cool. I'm, I'm glad we have that connection. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, Jamie and I. Oh, yeah. my God. Charlotte, your horse is so pretty, and I just love it so much. So please tell me everything about, like, this past weekend. I have to know. Well, it was great. She's, um... She's really fun. She's definitely got a little more spice than the last horse, but I need that, you know, for the top level. Um, but she's just, it's just really fun. That's, I mean, and that's the best thing about riding, right? It's when it's fun. What, what, it's, remind us what make and model she is. <laughs> <laughs> she is a 16 3 hand Royal Dutch Warmblood mare, uh, royal. Um, nine years old. Well, yeah, I learned, I didn't even know this, but a KWPN means she's royal. Oh, wow. Ooh, that sounds fancy. Do you have to bow every time she comes in the room? Salute. Well, I just have to say my head is always below her head, so I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> good good point, Charlotte. So, so you went to a show this weekend, what, a 72 again in a grade three test? Yep. Yeah. That's so, cool. um, it was really fun. And there's some, definitely some places that I can, the places where I can got nailed are easy to fix or not easy, but they're fixable. What's it's your, mostly what, pi- piloting errors. What's her strong point? What's her strong points? Where does she do really well? Where are you getting the sevens and eights? Um, her consistency is really good. And one of the, coolest thing is that her halts are really good. <laughs> um, and she really, uh, she brings her briefcase to the ring. Like she knows when you go up the center line, you want to feel like you want to think medium up the center line. That's what Janet Foy told me. Um, and so that it's like, boom, here we are sort of thing. Um, so she's very good at just well, that makes know. sense because Charlotte. she's royal, and when royalty Here's, walk in the room, you know they're in the room, and that's what you want to do. Here's what I want you to well, do. Most people will yeah. go up the center line, Charlotte, and like do their medium trot and like halt, but you're coming in the center line like medium trot, and then boom. What I want you to do instead of salute is I want you to have a microphone and drop it. Just drop the mic, girl. You're here. Yeah, you know, next time I do that, because as a para, I, I only salute with my head because I have two whips in my hand, so I can't do that. Um, So I knock, I just nod my head. So next time I'm going to think of my head, I'm going to nod and go, boom. That, here you <laughs> go, girl. Either yeah. that or teach the horse to curtsy while you're on it and just come up and curtsy while you're on Royalty it. Royalty doesn't curtsy, well, Glenn. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. They get curtsy no, it's, too. It's, 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 I always have a smile on my face because it's just fun. I'm, gl- I'm so glad you spent so much time. We lived through the years oh, that Amy, Charlotte was Amy looking for a horse. <laughs> so. Yeah. So does this mean that your weightlifting career your your has gone by the wayside now in favor of being back to the horses? Well, so if I was had all the energy in the world, I would be going to doing both because I could do the gym before work and work and ride, but that's not working out so well. So yeah, I haven't been, 
crossfitting for really at all. Yeah. CrossFit is, don't, um, don't it's, tell. A, it's a hundred percent commitment. I mean, it's a lifestyle people that do CrossFit. So I, I think per- personally riding horses is way better. So good call. Well, but I'm, I'm having a good time so far. So good. Yay. Well, I'm excited for you. We're going to see you in the Olympics someday with this horse. Actually, I'm going to go in the Paralympics. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll give you same that. thing. Same <laughs> thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're at the same time. It's Olympics. We're, we're going to, we're going to. No, it's always, it's always two weeks after the regular Olympics in the same venue because it's parallel to the regular Olympics. Ah, got it. Well, you're going to be there. Is this horse going to take you there? Okay. Is this a Grand Prix horse? Yeah, I'd like to. Well, yeah, sure. Good. Yeah. Perfect. Well, and it's a little smaller than her last one. She said 16.3. I think her last one was like 19.2. Um, you... No, he was he was almost 18 hands. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you had to lower the no, ramp he... to, get, to get on this well, one. <laughs> they did make the smaller ramp. And it's funny because I'll be doing going through my testing area and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm already around that circle. My other horse would be like, okay, turn, turn, turn. And Gigi is now like, Well, I'm glad you traded your your station wagon in for a sports car. And thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Go pet the doggies for us, okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. I'm so happy for her. You know, uh, uh, we spent a lot of time with Charlotte over the last couple of years. She didn't live too far from us. And uh, this... It's much more difficult to search for a horse when you're a para rider. You know, she's paralyzed from the waist down, so she has to have a horse that can accept that and can accept that she's not going to use leg, right? So she has to have a horse that's uh, trained to a certain level, and she wants to be an Olympian. So you have to have the horse that has that potential, but also is at a certain point already. Remember um, that list we did earlier on the how to find your unicorn? Yes, yes. Charlotte had parameters. She stuck to it. Yeah, she, she needed asked the, the right parameters. questions. <laughs> yeah. She had the horses that she couldn't do maintenance on because <laughs> it was too much. She had vettings done. I mean, all of the things she did would have completely put this list to shame. Yes. <laughs> the complete opposite. But again, when you're a parrot rider looking for a horse that you can ride without using any leg and also go to the freaking Olympics, I think you have a right to be picked. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And she waited and she found the one, you know, and in yeah. the meantime, she went and she went to the top levels of CrossFit while she was waiting. So it's not like she sat around doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, she, she's very, she's an amazing person. When you see some of her pictures and stuff at her I house. I can't believe she's still friends with you. <laughs> when you Weird. see some of her pictures, she used to be a marathon uh, rider. She used to be a marathon biker and she had the kind of bike that you would sit in. It's real low to the ground and you pedal with your hands. Um, and she used to do marathons that way. I mean, I think I could maybe get a quarter mile with one of those bikes. Then you have a hard. bike. It's an electric bike. And I, yeah, and I don't, yeah, I can get a marathon. I can do a marathon on my electric bike. I can, I can do a marathon on my car. So look <laughs> at that. We're amazing. Hang oh on, auditors. Gosh. We're gonna be we're gonna be back. Hey, I do have a note. There's no live shows the next couple of days. We have brand new shows for you. They're just not live. So um, tomorrow is fox hunting. There'll be a new brand new fox hunting show. I know that Tara and Jennifer did that, recorded it. It's ready to go for tomorrow. And then Jamie's gonna be here with Debbie filling in for me. Don't worry, we're just taking the weekend off. We're gonna go do something fun. So uh, Debbie. Debbie's going to be here filling in for me. So there will be a brand new show. It'll be out in your feeds. It just won't be live. Uh, and then next week we're back like normal. So I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Thank you to everybody that joined us today in the show. All of our sponsors, Stateline Tech, especially our title sponsor. And head on over there right now to start taking a look at the blankets. You're going to need, you know, they're practically free. You know, it's like they're free. It's they, they're free, Glenn. As Jamie says, they're free. it's like they're free. Get your ads in also for really bad ads to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Hang on, auditors. We'll chat for a minute. Spain, neuter, geld, you guys. I'm going to wake up. <clears throat>